I've entitled my message today, Saved, Saved, Saved. Now, isn't that unique? I'm sure that doesn't impress most. But where did I get that from? You can pick up on this in a minute for all of you old-timers like myself. I have found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how he lifted me and what his grace can do for you. Saved by his power divine. Saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete. For I'm saved, saved, saved. Can you sing that song to you and the Lord? I hope so. Don't try it out on anybody else yet. <laughs> Go somewhere where it's 107 degrees. There's not many people there. And just praise Him. Make sure that you understand that God loves you unconditionally. But by the same token, we, according to all that I am reading and watching and listening to in the, in the field of, of, uh, of the Bible and churches and seminaries and all of our ministries around the world, more and more people are doubting their salvation. Uh, I've been asked the question many times, how can one know that they're saved? Well, let me just tell you, you can know. You don't have to guess about it. You don't have to have a hope-so faith. You can have a faith that's built on the solid rock. But when one chooses to act religious, but never confess their personal sins to the Lord, never repent, then confusion and insecurity begins to build up around them. And everywhere they turn, there's a doubt. There is a confusion. Am I or am I not? When the Bible says you can know in whom you have believed, you can know who your Lord and Savior is. You can know that if Jesus comes back today, that you're going to go and be with him. Or if he just chooses to take us out of this world to the world to come, we can know. You'd almost think somebody is close to writing a song instead of save, 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 entitle it Doubt, Doubt, Doubt. Because there seems to be more doubting than assurance in a lot of circles. Churches of all types are seeing fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer people come out of the world, confess their sin, repent of their sin, which means to turn an about face, and walk with God. It is alarming to all of those that seriously want to know the truth because the truth is what sets us free. We don't want to get a position and hope we find books and people writing that, that help us to hold to our position. But I want you to listen to the words of Jesus, not to the words of Pastor John. It's in John chapter 8, verse 42. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth 
and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. That's what Jesus said. Do you realize, do I realize that once we become a believer and a born-again Christian, then we become one on a mission, sent from God. And we're sent from God with one assignment, going to the highways and byways and compel people to come to Jesus. And you make it easier for them because they know that Jesus made a difference in your life. And you don't think like you used to think. You don't talk like you used to talk. You don't go to the places that you used to go to. You don't do the things you did growing up. Why? Because you've been saved. Let me tell you something. People always say, well, I have a relationship with Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. All of us have a relationship with Jesus. Some have good ones and some have bad ones, but we all have a relationship. Some of us have an opportunity to tell the world about Jesus and what he's done for us, while others are dealing with guilt all the time. Because Jesus will not let you enjoy sin once you become a believer. You have enjoyed your last sin the day you say, have mercy on me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sin and come into my life. I want to be born again. You'll never be the same again. Never. You'll have to get rid of probably 80% of your friends and start getting some new ones. And every new one we get, we get is better than 10 of the old ones because they represent Jesus. They're there to help us, to grow us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to join with us in doing what God wants done in our life. A few months ago, a dear, dear, dear friend of mine, I've known for years and years and been his pastor for years and years. I know him in the church and outside of the church. He is a doctor. His name is Dr. John M. Lewis, but if you know him, he's Dr. Johnny. Dr. Johnny is a neurologist. He is an incredible doctor, but he is a more incredible Christian. He is one of those that I've always felt free to talk to and just to hear from the medical standpoint or whatever, or from his personal standpoint and his great family. And Dr. Johnny sent me a draft of a book that he had been led of the Holy Spirit to write. And I can say that with affirmation. He was led of the Holy Spirit to write this book. This is one of the first copies to come off the press. And they're going to be in the bookstore, and this is not selling books, okay? If you can't afford one, I'll buy one for you, all right? I'm not up here selling books. The name of this book is Dynamic Salvation and the Tragedy of Lost Believers. The Tragedy of Lost Believers. You will see in this book from the Scripture and its application exactly what I am talking about today. You come just as you are to Jesus, but you leave a different person. You don't leave and take the same old junk with you, but you just don't do it as much as you used to. That's not salvation. The Bible says your old life is dead. You've got a brand new life. That new life is going to lead you where that old life was going this way. You're going to be going that way. 
And when you go, you'll never go alone. If you're one of those kind of people, say, I just, I just can't stand to be alone. I don't like to be in a car alone. I don't like to be in a house alone. Well, all of us have some of those kind of experiences. But let me tell you something. We, the moment we are saved and become God's child, and he becomes our heavenly father, he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. Every junkie, honky-tonk you go to, if you say, but bless God I'm saved because I prayed when I was 14 years old and I said, God have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me, and I got baptized that night. Did you get saved? Or were you going through religious mess? Were you just trying to talk the talk instead of walk the walk? Do those that are around you know you don't even look the same? You look better. You have a smile on your face. The frown is gone. You have love in your heart instead of hate. You want others to succeed, not you. You wouldn't think of sitting across a table from somebody and taking the money away from their family and call that entertainment. You don't do that kind of stuff. Once you are saved, it's others, 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 others. You want to walk the walk, talk the talk, live the life, and God send me to somebody today that needs you in their life. Let me tell you, one of, the, one of the things that's a positive, not a good thing, but it's a positive thing. Most everyone knows that I was born in a preacher's home. I gave my heart to Jesus 71 years ago. I've never doubted that salvation from day one. It's kept me out of a whole lot of trouble, a whole lot of trouble. But I can tell you, having been raised in the church, I've seen it all. I have watched people grieve over the sins of others, but I've also seen them grieve over their, their own sin. And let me tell you something. The closer you get to the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you grieve over your own, own sin than everybody else's. Everybody here has got, a, got a, things that we ought to do to help them get better. I mean, that goes in every area of our life. We know how we can run the company better, the church better, the government better, the family better, the everything better. But that's not what this message is about, and that's not what this book is about. This book is about you must be born again. You have to know that you know that you don't live in this world anymore. This world is not your home. Heaven is our home, and that's an eternal home where God, his kids, his angels will gather together forever and forever and forever. It is very hard for me, and I know for Dr. Johnny or for you, if you're a born-again believer, just to, to hear those words, lost believers. Because many people, they, they do not say, I'm a born-again Christian. They say, I'm a believer. Now, that's supposed to get you off their back. Well, we're all believers. We just believe in different stuff. You know, some believe this team's going to win, and others believe that team's going to win, so they put their money down, and one goes home broke. And the other one is saying, well, I won today, I won today, I ruined another family, I ruined another life. Not when you're saved. When you're saved, you live every day, Lord, what would you have me to do today? So my question to you is, do you believe that a person can believe in Jesus and be an unsaved sinner? Don't answer it out loud, but answer it in your heart. Can a person believe in Jesus 
and live a life of sin. You can have an intellectual belief in Jesus and live like the devil. The Bible says a fool says in his heart there is no God. That's the only scripture in there for you. You say, well, that's me. That's me. I'm a fool because I don't believe there is a God. That's your choice. One of these days, you'll find out you were wrong. But you have a right to be wrong. Isn't that good? That's freedom. But when Jesus comes in, people say you look different, you act different, you talk different, you go to different places, you, you, you major on different things. I mean, your life has changed. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in the Old Testament, the psalmist said in the 14th chapter, verse 3, there is none that does good, no, not one. God is good all of the time. God is the one that's perfect. What we want is for him and his perfection to give us wisdom, to give us truth, to give us strength, to give us opportunity, to give us direction, to give us the resources we need for that, to do whatever you want me to do, Lord. I want you to be exalted in my life until I see you face to face. Dr. Bailey Smith is one of the dearest friends that I ever had in the ministry. Joe Simmons, Mike Hamilton sitting right down here, they know him well. Joe traveled with him all over the country. His wife and Beth, we used to go to school together, school teachers. And God gave him a message out of the book, Wheat and Tares. He preached it right here at this church. Not in this building. No, not in that building. Not in that building. Not across the street, but in the Pasadena Rodeo Arena. Okay? And when that service was held, this church saw 600 people baptized in a horse trough at the Pasadena Rodeo Grounds. I bet you you wouldn't have bought a ticket to that. You might buy a season ticket to the rodeo, but you're not going to come see 600 people baptized. Well, you know what a wheat is? You know what that is, right? Whole wheat? Okay, all right. Had a good mother. Glad you know. What is a tear? A tear looks like wheat, but there's nothing on the inside of it. That's what a believer and unbeliever is. A believer has something inside. A non-believer does not. Because they have nothing inside to fight the battle with, they lose most of the battles. They usually come out on the bottom, they get mad, and they don't get mad at themselves, they get mad at the church. Yeah, if the church is straightened up, then I'd get right. No, if you'd get right, the church is straightened up. Because the church is made up of God's kids, and we're all one of them. If, if, if we have confessed our sins, repented, turned around, about faith, and we're doing our best to follow Jesus. Now, I want you to listen. If you miss everything I say, I want you to listen for the next few seconds. I want to give you a scripture. I want you to take it with you. I want you to get on the computer, get on anything that, that has to do with the Bible and find out what does this scripture say. Listen, Matthew 7, 21 and through 23. Not everyone that says unto 
to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of God or enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name we've cast out devils. In your name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. God spoke it clear. You don't have to listen to the preacher if you get it from him. He simply says so clearly, you may think you are because you're as good as most of those that have their name on the rolls, but they weren't born again either. They don't serve. They don't give. They don't come regularly. They don't share their faith. They have no problem with hurting others. But they go to church and they say, but I am a Christian. You know, sometimes reading the scripture alone is like going to the doctor for a checkup. You go and you read the Bible, you go to the doctor, the doctor says, we need this, 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 this. And I want you to have this test and this test and this test and this test. And then finally, y'all get back together and they read all those tests. And you're sitting there like this and you're hoping that the report is good. Now, my question to you is, if you went into God as a great physician and he ran a test on you spiritually, what would the report be? How faithful are you in attending? How faithful are you in reading the Bible? How faithful are you in praying? How faithful are you in sharing your testimony? You name the virtue. How faithful are you in doing that? Well, not much because I'm kind of busy. And, you know, I, I have a big family and I got a lot of friends and we got a lot of stuff and we got to do a lot of things because I'm in that world. Or, and the close-up test is Jesus the number one thing in your life. If you're saved, he is. If he isn't, you're not. You say, well, how do you tell? One of the ways is you don't volunteer to serve the Lord. You don't serve his church, his bride. You don't share your testimony with her like Chuck Cummings did with this wonderful man right here. He shared his testimony, shared the scripture. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. We rarely, we rarely share our testimonies with others that don't know the Lord, but we would if we did what God wants us to do. We always want God to give us, aren't you? Aren't we? Give it to us. Dear God, my name's Jimmy. What you going to give me? What, what's the blessing of the week? What can I do? You know, this me again. It's the next week. It's Jimmy back again, Lord. Thank you for the blessing last week. What's coming this week? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says you're to lay down your life. Surrender your life. Die to yourself. And then say, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Now that's salvation. That's what people notice. And this room is filled with people, filled with people that I've known for years and years and years. And I knew you when you weren't saved. And I know you now that you are saved. Why? Because I've seen the works of righteousness you have done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and because of his change in your life. The Bible talks about the word zeal, being energetic, getting out there and get with it. 
Ours is more laziness and complacency. You know, I, I just wonder what church is going to come up with classes and Bible study, and one's going to be on complacency, and the other one's on stinginess, and, uh, and then the other will be on worry and all this kind of stuff, learn how to do all those kind of things. No, the devil will teach you that instantaneously. Matter of fact, you had that before you were born. You were a liar before you said your first word. You'd make your mother think you was hungry or had a dirty diaper or whatever, and she'd come running in there, oh, honey, hold this, you know, we got an emergency, and they go, hi, Mom. I love you, Dad. They couldn't say it, but it was just that twinkle. I'm learning how to fool you. And when I'm 25, I may quit, but maybe not. But you know what? When Jesus comes in your life, old things pass away and everything becomes new. You look back and say, I don't know why I've wasted these years. But you have if you turn your back on Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about sin being a snare in Luke chapter 21 as to how it can get hold of us. It says that we are weighed, that, that we are weighed down. We're heavy burdened. We're always depressed. We're always down in the dump. We're always feeling like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it uses words like carousing, drunkenness, the cares of this life. But one day, if you've met Jesus, that has changed. Has it happened to you? It is, it is obvious to all serious Christians who are familiar with the, with the Holy Scriptures that the coming of the Lord, the prophecies, are being fulfilled, either have been or are being fulfilled. I said, every book that I have read on Bible prophecy, even in recent authors, Jesus is coming soon. I like this quote from Dr. Lewis's book. So if we can understand that all who are saved are believers, but not all believers are saved, then we can begin to explore the phenomenon of lost believers. Remember, the Bible says the demons also believe. You don't want to hook up with them. You are a doer of the word, not a talker. Not one that just says, I believe this, but I do that. James chapter 2, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has not works, it's dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith with my works. You believe that there's one God. You do well. The devils also believe, and they tremble. But will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now, I didn't write that. But I've done you a favor to tell you to read it. You say, well, you're making me feel bad. I'm about to leave. Well, know where you're headed when you leave. All of us, all of us must, if we say we're believers, believe this book as inspired and errant and infallible word of God. And way over 50% of our preachers don't believe that. They're on television every day. They're selling soap, cosmetics, everything in the world. But it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's the sweetest name that we know once we get saved. 
He takes our old life and puts a new life in there. And every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Those that are being deceived, most of them don't know how they're being deceived. They don't get it. And the devil is going to continue to try to blind their eyes so they don't see. As long as they see most of the people are like them, they're going to believe like most of the people. And again, broad is a way that leads to eternal destruction and few there, uh, then many go therein. But narrow is a way that leads to eternal life and few there are that find it. Imagine what it'd be like to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ in that day who gave his life that we could have a brand new life and every need met, every sickness he can heal. He can either give us our eternal body or he can heal us here. That is his choice. But when he chooses to heal, he's choosing to leave us here to do something that is yet undone for his glory. And you're the only one who can do it. Not a person here lives in isolation. You impact people, I impact people, for better or for worse. But all of us have an impact on somebody else. The, the point is, what are you going to do with what God has given to you? When Dr. Lewis has that part of his book about how the demons also believe, it'll wake you up to some thoughts that might keep you up for a couple of nights, but it's good for you. It was good for me. But in James chapter 2, where he says faith without works is dead, there's no argument. There's no discussion. We're to be doers and not hearers. But most are not. Most are not. Those words in that 23rd verse of Matthew 7, depart from me, I never knew you. What a disappointment. What a disappointment. When you feel like, but I did what the others did, why not? Because you didn't do what the Lord said you were to do and to deal with the issues in your life. So, if you understand that disobedience and unbelief go hand in hand. Disobedience and unbelief go hand in hand. When you decide to not believe, you decide to disobey. That's where the normal life takes us. When we look at the scriptures and we see in John 15, 1 through 6, and I'm going to close by reading you these scriptures. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me, and I in him. The same brings forth much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast as a branch, is withered, men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now that's the first six verses. Let's go to the 14th chapter of John, 
22nd and 23rd verse. Judah saith unto him, not Iscariot, but Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not into the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, now listen to this, he will keep my words, my father will love him, will come unto him and make our abode with him. Let me tell you something, my dear friend. When God moves into your life, the devil is going to flee. When God moves in, he can handle you and he can handle me, but he can't handle the God that's in me. I can let go and let God and he will defeat any enemy that you and I have but you've got to make the move. And if you continue, as most will, and if you like to be a part of the crowd, you always want to be involved in every party, every group, everything that happens. I just want to be a part. I want a part. I want everybody to love me. Everybody like me. No. You got a problem. You got a problem. The Pharisees decided that they would do the will of their father, the devil. And the devil controlled them. They didn't choose Jesus. They chose Satan and his demons. Have you chosen Jesus? You may say, I've decided. What have you decided? I have decided to just go on like everybody else. We've got to be right. There's so many of us. But Matthew 5, 20, Jesus said, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, that's the religious crowd, that are not believers, listen as it closes, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Wow. Well, what can we do? Put your faith in the blood of Jesus. That's what you can do. Let him take care of the problem. He tells you the truth. The blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. There's not one sin that any of us have committed that the blood of Jesus cannot wash us white as snow. But number two, you be sure when you talk to unbelievers about following Jesus, he's not only going to be your Savior, but he's going to be your Lord. And if you're not willing for him to be your Lord, he's not going to be your Savior. He wants you to follow him. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to snatch you out of all that mess you're in, set you down, and use you like you have never been used before. That's what it's all pointing to. We repent of our sins after confessing them, and then we walk with Jesus, we talk with him, we serve him, we follow him, we love him, we read his love letters from the Scripture, we pray for him, with him, and to him. But Luke 6, 46 says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I command? That's a hard question, folks. I hate to leave it there. I know the roast is getting cold. But there are ways that it can be warmed up. But we don't want that to happen right now. But here's what we can do. We can go out here and say, as for me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord. I'm not going to play this, this game that, that the world is playing. It is not about the things of this world that America has a problem. It is about the fact we need a revival in America. We need our churches. And I read just this past week that, that almost 70% of our churches do not preach salvation by grace. 
Well, where is it then? Where are you going to get it from? Never talk about it. My prayer is, and my message is, get in the Bible. Come to, to, and listen as we learn how to reach people for Christ. Go to a Bible study class right now. And for many of you, you need to go right back, as soon as we say amen in a moment, go back into our connection lobby, a private spot where you can get this right, where someone will gladly pray with you and talk with you and help you to have your questions answered. They're not going to rush you into the baptistry. They're not going to rush you into church membership. No. But what they do want to do is to help you know that you know, that you confess your sin, you repented of your sin, and you're giving your life to Jesus for as long as he lets you live. God has waiting right now Bible studies for you. They're all free. Just go out there, find one of those red-shirted VIP folks, and they'll get you to the right place. Or you may want to stay for our next worship service. It will be a wonderful service. It'll start in just a few minutes, about 30 minutes or so, and you're welcome to come to that. And by the way, if you go out to eat today, pray, and then leave a good tip. With Ernie sitting on the front row, least likely guy to ever get saved that I ever met. I remember the first time he met him, he said, I don't be like the Christians that eat in my restaurant on Sunday at noon. I, we don't need any more Christians like them. We need people who've been born again. We need people that be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Jesus loves everyone, and he is all the world to me. Here's a thought that I picked up this week. I'll leave it with you. Science says we need at least four basic things to survive. Four. Water, air, food, and light. Got those? Water, air, food, and light. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm living water. I'm the breath of life. I'm the bread of life. And I'm the light of the world. Now, what are we looking for? We've already found it. Jesus is everything.